Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Jeff Smith sitting in for Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any of the sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Andrew Heller, our good friend and author and playwright. Although we don't have Tony here, we're going to do a bit of a writer's roundtable again and talk about the writing process, things that thrill us as writers, and the things that stymie us. And today, we decided to talk about writing across genres. So welcome uh, to the podcast again, Andrew. How are you? Glad to be here. Jeff, you've done historical fiction, you've done uh, young adult fiction, and you've done, um, you're even now doing a musical. Yeah, you're Andrew. working on a new musical, oh, that's, that's right. exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pen yeah. Dragon. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, you've written plays, you've written plays for adults, for kids. Yep, for young audiences and for, for adult audiences, and uh, I have a young adult mystery series out, um, some poetry and some um, just more reflective, I guess, memoir kind of, kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I can't help but feel within my own writing that my approach to nonfiction in my head, I sort of have to change gears a little bit, you know, when I go into a different genre. And I think you and I, Andrew, were talking about this a little bit earlier. And so could you kind of tell me, I've never written a play. So could you tell me a little bit about how you, you know, might be writing, you know, the Samuel Smythe series? How do you kind of switch gears in your head and say, all right, I need to write a play for kids or something else? What is your process about? I think a lot of it, hmm, that's 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 a tough one. I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on, I guess, the subject matter or the theme of of what I'm what I'm writing. I, I think that if if it's a kids' play, there's going to be a lot of energy. There's going to be a lot of repetition because that's how kids learn. And I just kind of go to like a like a Blues Clues or a Sesame Street mode as far as that kind of repetition coming out and thinking about all right, what am, what am I going to do when I was talking to my to my young kid? I'm sorry, I'm typing as I as I talk at the same time. And Stephanie yeah. just reached over and stopped me. Um, I, I have to I have to try to try to get in the world of of that younger mind and and thinking about like my own child as an example or the kids that I've taught I I, I taught kindergarten and pre-k for a little while and I've I've worked with young young audiences before so approaching it that way just really looking at what the kids want um, when I when I'm doing a play for an older audience it's really more about the character and about the relationship so I I just kind of let myself get in the minds frame of the conversation that's going on and trying to think about who are these people and, and, and where are they? And I think it's really a mindset change. I, I don't know, Jeff, what do you want to do? It's interesting, a mindset change. I think when I, when I start, when I start writing something because prose for, to, to use a, a better word, to, for lack of a better word, literary term prose <laughs> is, is, is where my mind goes first. And so sure. when I went from writing, for example, the, the novels that I've written, the two books the historical fiction and the young adult novel to writing my my play uh the first thing i had to do was think of it in prose terms so i wrote out uh i, I just the first thing i did was started writing a story just uh, in in prose form with very little dialogue and just describing action and describing things that happen and then what i what i have have been doing throughout the process of writing it is taking those scenes and transcribing them into strictly dialogue and taking taking the the elements that I sort of imagined as I as I worked out a first draft my sort of initial my, my right. very rough first draft that we all always hate and I hate it <laughs> too but I take that and I just convert it into dialogue 
and I thought, okay, so what would characters say in this scene? How would they how would they feel? And then I just thought about strictly dialogue, which was actually a very very hard transition to make to go from writing prose to strictly dialogue. Sure, because you can't explain everything away. People you can't. have to say it. Yeah, people have yeah, to say it, and, say and it people away. and people don't speak in in very uh, in my pro- what a lovely green terms. couch you have. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> On this sunny, wonderful day yeah. in your living room yeah. with wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's. I would think that that would be quite a challenge to go from having paragraphs, you know, having sentences and paragraphs to be able to have lovely exposition and set these things up. I mean, you've got to have your characters deliver every last piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I and I can't imagine. To me that would be exceptionally it's, it's, difficult. It's it's a, it's a little like writing I've I'm not a, a poet. I've written like three poems in my life. Uh, and Don't tell was, Tony. And that was in high school and, <laughs> and we won't go there. Um, <laughs> That's another podcast. But it's but it's a little like like what I've what I've heard of poets writing poetry because every every word that you write when you write dialogue only when you're writing a play when you're writing uh, something like that every 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 word matters sure oh sure and, and you can't have extraneous things whereas when you're writing prose you can be flowy and you can say a lot of stuff that in the end maybe maybe that particular and doesn't mean quite as much but when you're writing strictly dialogue it's it's a different it's a different it's a totally different mentality. But in, in addition, I mean, the genre part of it is I'm not only writing dialogue, but I'm also switching to writing a musical, which is a oh, completely sure. different sure, aspect. Sure. Because it's not just, it's not just going from, from a prose story that I came up with uh, to writing a, a sort of a play version of it, but it's also transforming some of those scenes into musical numbers. Right, and you've got to further the story through lyrics and for yeah. the story through the through the music and mm-hmm. make and it make sense oddly enough that people are just suddenly breaking out singing and yeah. song you know and i would imagine as you're thinking about that choreography even there's a whole i, mean, yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of elements that that go into into all of it because it's not just the story it's not just the dialogue it's not even just the song but it's also how the stage is going to look how is the set going to look what is what is the audience going to see when they sit down on sure. this, on, yeah. in, in the in the in the theater uh, how is the stage going to move? If you add too many characters, how are they going to interact on the stage? If you have one character in one scene that uh, that needs to change clothes really quick and get in the next scene, how is that going to happen? How are you going to make one actor move from one place to another in the space of two seconds? You have to think about those things when you write when you write a play, and it's not anything I'd ever thought of before in terms sure, of writing. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. So I would, yeah. I would, would you say that it's a bit more uh, technical in a sense. I, I think there's probably a lot of it that is a lot more technical and I, and not being a theater person. I didn't, I wasn't ever in the theater when I was younger. And so coming from a non theater background, there is a lot of technical stuff about the theater that I have, that I don't know anything about. I'm still not sure which side is stage left and stage right. <laughs> so, well, it's your left and your right. Yeah, it's from the point when of you're on the, the stage, audience, right? No, of the actor. It's from the point of view of the actor. See, so there you go. See, so, so this is why Andrew this is why I don't know my left and from my right <laughs> because I direct. And so I'm always forever telling people to move to the left. And so I point with my left arm to the right. And, and that's how I do it. <laughs> or I point my, my right arm to the left so that the actors know what I'm doing. But yeah, yeah it's, it's completely the, the yeah. opposite world. Yeah. yeah, because Andrew has his MFA in directing. Oh, so if you have directing questions... This oh, would I'm be a perfect resource. That, that was a long time ago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's also, I mean, the elements of technicality that come into play 
have to do in my mind with how to put the play on the stage and have not as much to do with actually writing the story. And not all playwrights take that into consideration. Yeah. I will I will tell you. Sometimes they just write it and and what somebody that's else, your what problem. Somebody else do with I it. mean, and because yeah. sometimes you're gonna have a house of five hundred that you're that you're in, or it might be an auditorium that seats forty. Yeah. Or it could be a what are they called? A cafetorium or something like that. You don't know where your play's going to get picked up. How do you up. go from, how do you go from, I mean, you, you started in theater then. I did. Right? I did. So I did. how do you go from that to writing, to writing basically sort of young adult fiction? I mean, that's, that's a transition. I mean, for me, writing, it, going from, going is, from prose to dialogue only. It's, it's very similar, I, I think. And I, I, especially, I think when you're, when you're looking at, at children's literature or, or children's kind of theater and looking at like on television, like I brought up Blue's Clues or, or um, Sesame Street or kind of thing. And those kinds of things, there's a little formulaic. As long as you're repeating and as long as you have that energy high, you're going to keep a really young audience in mind. And I, and I think that, that writing the literature aspect, uh, writing a, a story aspect came from, it's, it's got to be very theatrical anyway because that's what's going to keep our attention. I think when you look at video games that that the young that twelve year olds and fourteen year olds are playing, I mean they're very episodic. They're very quick though, but I mean they're they're very story driven. They move fast. There's a lot of characters that come in and out of those things. Um, they play and they're interactive with with one another. And I think you just have to keep the things keep the things driving. It's theatrical, I guess. Is is so maybe it's not a big transition for me where that's concerned. I don't know. Hmm. So writing writing children's literature is not necessarily much different for you than writing or working on plays. Working on on children's plays. Children's plays. I, I, I oh, think okay. I, I think right. working on on the plays that are that are more adult. I think the themes change, but I but again I think we have to keep things moving because we're we're a culture that doesn't like to stop and wait. We're a culture that doesn't always like to stop and think while we're reading or while we're looking at, at, at what's going yeah. on. We need things to keep coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe that's the ADD in me. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what it is, but, but I, I think that's where we are. I mean, look at our television shows that have like a commercial and we have to, we yep. wait for those commercial breaks and we have to have those, mm-hmm. you know, we binge watch our, our little shows. Now they release an entire season all at once. So we can binge watch them so we can watch them kind of in our little, little time frame keep ourselves going. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that I think Andrew and I were talking about a little bit earlier is when we go to write in a different genre, like how do we approach it? And I was talking to Andrew earlier today about um, there's a fiction piece that I've been working on. um, And I'm not I don't come from a fiction background. I come from more of a traditionally nonfiction style. And um, the time period that the, the piece is set in is 1960. I was not even thought about. In 1960, I was not even alive. So one of the things that, one of the tools that I used to try to get me in the right headspace to kind of switch gears was using music. So I went and I just downloaded, I think my story is set in like 1963. So I went and I just downloaded a whole bunch of like Billboard's top hits from like 1963 and just kind of loaded them up. And I think the story also takes place I don't think I know it takes place uh, around Christmas. So I started looking at all the Christmas music that would have been around, you know, at that time and started listening to, you know, the Bing Crosby and all that. And that to me was kind of a tool to kind of help me, you know, switch gears in a very, in a very literal sense, almost like in my head, you know, to try to, because it feels to me 
to write fiction, I almost have to come out of a nonfiction place and go into a fiction place. If that, if that makes any sense, but that's, that really is how it feels in my mind. Um, and so music, I, and Andrew was talking about doing some playwriting and, you know, so music was actually one vehicle that kind of really helps me kind of reposition myself in, in fiction. Do you, do you have anything like that? Um, well, I was going to, let me follow up on you a little bit because you don't just write, creative nonfiction you also uh, you, you have written some very significant and poignant personal essays yes a little yeah, bit of memoir which, which which are nonfiction, but i think memoir is a different is a different beast i mean i, I think don't it think is you, i don't think you can you can put creative nonfiction, which which you are very good at and mm-hmm. uh, in, you're in, right you're, you're absolutely memoir right. and and that kind of essays i don't think you can you can lump them together. It's like it's a different emotional energy. It is. Yeah, you yeah, pull. I think you you're in in the in the memoir piece. It, it tends to be a little bit more self centered, and, and so I think you can pull a little bit more of yourself, and I mm. think you can take a little bit more freedoms, uh, in certain ways. I think with some memoir than maybe you might do in a in a in a nonfiction freedoms piece. in terms of stretching some things a little bit. No, maybe? I don't think or it's that. I think it's um, you know when. I, f- I think for me, with, when I'm writing memoir, I, I tend to go very deep into myself. I tend to go very emotional. I tend to be very deeply and uh, reflective. Yeah. I don't really think people want that necessarily with nonfiction. <laughs> I don't necessarily know that people want to know the ruminations necessarily of the author in a nonfiction piece. I think it's more anticipated to see that in more of a memoir yeah. piece, what you yeah. were thinking and feeling. No one cares about what you're feeling when you're writing a nonfiction piece about this other thing over here, right? Yeah. It's There's a little bit of a distance. There's a wall. There, there will, is, yeah. Between, a disconnect between the between, voice between that's author, telling the story. Between yeah. author and story. Whereas right. in memoir, there is no wall between no. author and story. You're author like, is story. Here, it's your story. Yeah. Here yeah. is my, yeah. my, my, my soft underbelly reader. Yeah. This is it, you yeah. know. With nonfiction... You're you're tend to writing about a subject, so you don't want to make. With memoir, you are kind of the subject, right? With nonfiction, there's usually a subject over here, and you don't want to just be like telling your author, "This is how I feel about this thing." It seems seems a little mixed up. So. so one of the things that I like about fiction writing, even historical fiction writing, which I think I tend towards more than anything else, is that you can take these sort of ego author memoirists aspect of writing and inject it into fiction more than you can with nonfiction, right? In nonfiction, there is a wall and you can't really interject author personal opinion into nonfiction. But with fiction, you can because you can pretend to be somebody else. You can pretend that the author is, that the the narrator is you or the narrator could be omniscient and the narrator could say all the things you really feel and that you never really want to say out loud. Do you find that like this fiction piece that you're that you're writing, do you find that 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 enables you to add that memoirist sort of aspect of yourself into the piece that you're working on, as opposed to the wall you have to build between yourself and the nonfiction that you're at? You know, I don't think I'm good enough at fiction to really give a good answer. <laughs> I, my fiction is not great. Um, I think I I think as a writer we have to know our strong points, um, and certainly nonfiction and maybe memoir are mine. But I think with fiction, what I find is my sensibilities will bleed into them in some way, shape, or form. We can't help that. I, I think agree, even yeah. in nonfiction, even when you're writing a nonfiction piece, you still, your word choice, 
the way that you phrase something is going to probably reveal a little bit of bias or something about yourself in there. But, um, you know, for the most part, I feel like I'm not really great at fiction. To me, fiction is something that I, is kind of like an exercise. You know, I do it to try to get better at it. But I do think in, in the characters that, in this particular story that I'm, that I'm working on, um, I do feel like, in, especially in the, in the main characters piece, I, I do feel myself, some of my, some of myself bleeding in, some of my vulnerabilities, I think we're able to kind of blend into them and be like, oh, no, no, that's the character. That's not my vulnerability. That's the <laughs> character's vulnerability. And keep on going. But if you have it, identify with them. I mean, you, you can't help it. I mean, with, with what you're writing, if you relate to that character, be them a real character from, from real life, be it, be it something that's nonfiction or, or a character that you're writing. I mean, you, you may make a connection with a nonfiction character from the past and, and identify with them. And that skews the perspective in which you write, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I wrote, when I wrote my, my first book, Masabi Pioneers, I really identified with the main character in some ways. I mean, he's a Finnish immigrant in 1891, so not completely because I'm not sure. a Finnish immigrant in 1891, but there were many aspects of the character that, that I felt connected to. And I wrote those part of those parts of me into that character in, sure. in addition to other and characters in the book. Could you occasionally be more sympathetic to that person than perhaps you would be if you had less feeling for yeah, them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I think there's some amount of that that in, in fiction, John, in, I mean, in fiction in general, but in that kind of writing that you, you have the ability to, to be a little bit more emotional, to put a little bit more of yourself into the story yeah. than you get in the creative nonfiction, right. for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to a question. As you were talking, something kind of occurred to me, and it's a question that I think An I had asked Andrew earlier, but I'll pose it to you first, and then I'll pose it to Andrew. Are there any genres that you are afraid of or would be very hesitant to kind of give a go at? Oh, that's, that's, an, that's a great question. And for me, it's probably really easy because the, the genre that I have always been most afraid of is is what's now called speculative fiction, but is more traditionally called sci-fi. Um, and, and part of that reason is I, I admire science fiction or speculative fiction so much because what you have to do in speculative fiction is build an entire world. You have to create not only characters, but you have to create an environment in which they live. And rules and all that. Rules yeah. about that environment. I mean, it's like going to Mars and there's no gravity. I mean, that's basically what you're doing when you're writing speculative fiction. You're creating an entire universe. And, and I've always found that uh, the ability for people who do that well, um, Ursula Le Guin, who recently died, who was amazing at that. I mean, she created entire universes out of nothing and, and in very short pieces and in long pieces. And, and uh, there's a, a writer friend of mine uh, who lives in Chicago, Marianne Mohanraj, who's, who's also a, a, a incredibly good at creating these whole universes out of nothing, out of thin air. I would not be comfortable with creating an entire universe. <laughs> I have a hard enough I have a hard universe. enough time with creating a character that exists in the real world that sure. I already know, much less trying to build a world around uh, in which a character that I have dream up can live. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? Any any genres that you find 
Oh, that's that untouchable. As that, it were? Well, Steph and I were talking earlier about the science fiction thing, and and on one hand, I can say for similar reasons, but any kind of fantasy kind of thing. I mean, when you're looking at like the Harry Potter kind of things, you know, I mean, that's I wouldn't call that science fiction. Yes, she created an entire different it's, world. If it falls under the spectrum, you know, it falls category. under, I guess, that. Yeah. that. And, and where I, I've got a young adult series about a kid who's in his father's spy business, and there's some spy business stuff that is rather fantastical. And as we were talking about narrators, it's narrated by a cat. The cat is a narrator. So there's all of that. So I guess, then, in a sense, there's a world that's being created, but somehow in my mind, I don't. Conflate the two. Well, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're not the same to me. It's, it's much different to say you're going to have a story narrated by a cat because the cat still exists in the world that we yeah, know. Yes, you're yes. You're not creating yes, a whole I'm not inventing. Universe. It's not, not being narrated by a narphalant exactly. or whatever. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. That has to exist in some different, you yes. know. I have no idea what a narphalant is for the record. Yeah. It just came out of my yeah. head. So. I mean, I th- I well, think it's, good. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, for me, it's admirable and it's a difficult thing to do i've i've written uh, the other genre that i have actually attempted um i think that haruki murakami sort of perfected which was sort of magical realism which is what haruki murakami sort of does which is sort of the real world but sort of flipped a little bit odd like the the rules are the same but something's just not not right and i have attempted that kind of fiction and and i think that's something that i would really like to do more of um and i'm not afraid of but it's certainly something i would try yeah, I think for me it's it's poetry in one. I like to write. Po- well, I don't like to write poetry. I find myself occasionally moved to write poetry, and then I always feel like an angsty teenage girl, which is awful. But <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt every poem that's, I've ever. Written. That's how I always always feel. It's like I'm one of my students. Oh my god, does he like me? Does he not? You know, that's that's always how I feel when I write it. And yet I'm I'm moved to do it, and then I'm embarrassed as hell and I don't want to like show it to anyone I showed it to a a friend of ours Joan Cooper one that I did and oh she ran it and raved and loved it and I sent it off and I think it was like the most embarrassing thing I ever did (laughs) but I want to keep trying to do it you know because I like it's it's a good exercise it's it's raw emotion oh yeah with limited words so every word is a raw emotion and as loud and not controlled as I am I'm actually more controlled with my actual feelings than than one might think so I think putting those out there is is difficult you know uh, poetry is a, is one of those things I mean God, I, it's hard it is it's hard it is I, man, I hadn't even thought of poetry. When you asked me that <laughs> yeah, well, that was. You, I was waiting it for it to come back to me. <laughs> waiting for it to come back. I was like, "Oh, teacher, I have an I answer." I got it. I got it. What's no, your I, answer, Steph? No, I think you know. It's funny. I started out um, as an angsty teenage girl, uh, <laughs> <laughs> writing a ton of awful poetry. I mean, I really did. I wrote a lot of awful poetry. My mother was like, "Well, maybe you'll get a job at Hallmark or something." You know, like sad Hallmark cards. Home were, of awful poetry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to be like the the poster child for sad Hallmark poetry. Um, But, you know, when I got to college, I took creative nonfiction, discovered short stories, discovered essays, and I sort of walked away from poetry. And honestly, I, I think that going back to poetry, to me, would be hard. It would be probably a place where... I once felt so comfortable and now I feel like a stranger in a strange land when it comes to poetry Um, because I just, I I find that really good poetry is this distillation down to an absolute raw 
pure essence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like taking the vanilla bean and just squeezing it down until you have drops of just the fluid, right? So for me, having spent the last, you know, 20 odd years or whatever, writing short stories and essays and taking my time to build something, I think for me to have to strip all that away would be sort of a horrifying exercise. And I think that would be really difficult for me um, to try to walk back to poetry. Although the thing I love about poetry is the is that distillation, is that dr- driving down, wringing out just the bare essence of a thing. And we've had poets on this podcast. Just most recently we had Christopher Salerno. Mm-hmm. And he talked about that very thing, that, that when he is asked to write an essay or a short story or poetry, he's just overwhelmed. He's like, oh my <laughs> God, I don't need all these words. I need to stretch my emotions you know? out he was for like, 20 look, pages. Exactly. He was like, look, I don't need all these words to convey what I'm trying to say here. I just need like a couple of lines. I'll get you there. And right. to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could get you there in a couple of lines. So I think for, it's sometimes um, just sort of flipping the thing that it is that we, we're trying, to, how we're delivering our message to our audience. And I think for me, poetry now, you know, poetry 20 years from me, I was all, 20 years ago, I was all over, but today would be, it would be an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and my I, mother would be really sad to see me go back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wrote a poem when I was in high school that actually won an award, and I look back at it and wonder how it won anything. <laughs> because you're in high school. Everybody writes yeah. that kind of poetry in high school. I mean, oh, we all wrote funny. terrible poetry oh, in yeah. high school. But oh, I still yeah. write terrible poetry. I, I Poetry is not a genre that I'm afraid of, but I don't want to share it with anyone. I, I write a poem, so I, I journal every day, and at the end of every single journal, I write a poem. And I try to, oh, wow. and I yeah. try to, I try to take that moment to just ignore conventionality and forget about whatever things I'm supposed to do and I just write the words that come out of my head in whatever form that they come out um, and it works really well and makes me feel it makes me feel a lot less afraid of poetry to nice do that. yeah yeah which I think is good because I think poetry has has a has a really important place for writers absolutely absolutely and I think it really to me what I what I like about poetry is is the focus on words and structure, which I think I in like a that good structure, yeah. Which if you're a, a good writer in general, no matter what your genre, yeah. word choice and structure, yeah. those are the basic building yeah. blocks of what it is yeah. we do, right? So but I think poetry is sort of just kind of kind of highlights that in a way that maybe other genres don't. Yeah. Which is maybe why I'm a little scared of it now. Um, because if I do it, I'd want to do it well, and I know that to do poetry well is so, so, so it hard. Is. And I just... Uh, I'm still waiting to do it. Yeah, well... Yeah, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm it's not like, doing uh, it. <laughs> I, I think Tony, to bring Tony into this, had, yeah. had posted something just the other day about the difference between beer and liquor. Whiskey, whiskey is something that if it goes bad, you have to wait a really long time for the next batch to be good, to find out if it's any good. Whereas beer, if this batch is bad, well, it only takes a week to make another batch, and so you can you can oh, the next one will be all right. The next one will be all right, and I think that's kind of the poetry prose metaphor, right? Prose is kind of like beer; you can write a lot of it, and you can just dump a lot of words in, and it's not if it if it doesn't come out so great, then it's not so bad because there you more, got more words. You got more words, <laughs> but poetry is kind of like whiskey. You have. You have a very small window in which you know uh, uh, yeah, 
there's there's a there's an economy of scale, right? And you have to get it right because if you don't get it right, then it's not going to come out, and then the next batch doesn't come out for several months because you got to let it age before you can taste it. I think that's just, you know. I think that's very yeah, apt. I think, yeah. good, I think yeah. that's very apt because yeah. certainly we seem to be more forgiving maybe with with pros because we know that all right this this paragraph lost me maybe they'll catch me in the next one yeah. but i don't know that you necessarily afford that with a poem because they're because you can't say this word lost me maybe i'll get in the next yeah. one you know? yeah yeah, yeah. i've this, only got six this, words this, left i better this, hurry this and get line, it <laughs> this line out of six totally lost me well the other five aren't going to get me back right yeah, yeah no yeah but yeah. i think that you know just to think about writing across genres i do think it is a good exercise for writers to try different genres, to, to break out of that comfort, to, to try something new. Because I think at the end of the day, it's all exercise working different parts of our minds. I think anyway, at least that's how it feels for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, any, anytime you're willing to, to step out of your comfort zone as a writer and, and do something that challenges you and scares you, that's an opportunity to grow as a writer and as a person. Right. I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, as, as any kind of an artist and, yeah. and certainly as a person, I think yeah. you do have to have to push yourself. You have to have to challenge yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. writing a musical. Like yeah. I would be completely terrified to think that someone said to me, Stephanie, you have six months write a musical. I, I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> I would be like, there better be a mouse in your pocket because you're not talking to me. You know, I could do the book. I could do the book, but the the song part. Well, yeah. the song part is uh, thankfully not completely up to me because I don't know music. So I have somebody else writing. Are you doing the lyrics music. or someone else doing some lyrics? I'm yeah. doing. I'm sort of working with the songwriter to work to make the lyrics. Gotcha. Happen. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's like another genre, like writing yeah, lyrics, lyrics, right? Like, I mean, it's like yeah. poetry with music. It is poetry and, yeah. with music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which comes first, well, music a story. or the words? Or I don't the know. The story for me. of the play that yeah. you're in, you yeah. know, which oh, yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. So. It's, a, it's a challenge. I wrote my first song a few weeks ago, and, and it was exhilarating and frightening. And I actually, I actually came out pretty good in the end. And I sent it to the musician, and he wrote some music behind it and changed some words to sort of make it fit. Right, right. But it actually came out pretty well and i i almost cried hearing nice. my words put to That's music awesome. i nice. never something nice. that yeah i in my entire life did i ever think that i would hear my words put to music and i tell you it made me cry yeah i mean that's gotta be that's gotta be one heck of a moment to, yeah. i mean because that's really transformative you know like i like andrew and i were talking a moment ago like as a playwright you know he has written plays and then he's watched people take the words that he put on paper and speak them out loud. And that's gotta be a moment of, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, to, to see someone when it, when it's, I don't want to downplay children's literature because I think it's one of the most important things that we have out there. And I'm a huge proponent of it, but, um, Watching kids perform, kids could just about do anything and people are going to be in love with it. I mean, that's, that's, that's just the truth of the nature of that. So, I mean, doing, doing really, really stuff for young, young kids is, is kind of easy where that's concerned. But doing, doing it for them and having the people say the words, it's, it's, for me, it's more the reaction of the audience than it is of the people saying the words. Um, they've been in rehearsal and they've had time to study and they've had time to understand, they've had time to understand ask questions they've had time to get it and this goes with with whether it's children's theater or whether it's whether it's theater for adults but it's it's watching the audience 
hang on to the words that you wrote because they're hanging on to the words that the actor is saying and watching them really listen to what it is that you had to say. Those, those, that's a pretty incredible thing. And that was, I started, as we said, I started as a director and when I would direct a piece, that, that was what I was fascinated by when I'd, I'd stage a moment that I was especially proud of and, and the audience would be like completely silent. Just, just you could hear a pin drop because they're so involved in what's going on. I thought, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. It's so much better than acting to watch them do that, so much better. And then to have written the words that the actors are saying that they're hanging on is just it's so it just takes you to such a different different place it's it's really it's it's bizarre yeah that's great well uh, stephanie this is the part of the show where you thank the guest oh my gosh well andrew thank you so much for being here to to talk with us i absolutely love being here thank you for having me here so what's your story was produced by saltwater media an indie book publisher in berlin maryland Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and if you like it, then please give us a great review. Tell your story.